Will you give me my water? I'll surely have a coughing attack. Okay. What? The, and our youth are staying with us today. Hallelujah. So I kind of feel like we should maybe get in, I know a lot of people are out of town this weekend, that we should get in a big circle and just have a group discussion. Um, hopefully that uh, as we explore this, uh, another experience in scripture where someone meets the risen Christ, we're doing a series on uh, resurrection appearances, um, and Miriam and Joe will continue, I'll be gone the next two weeks uh, with previous commitments, but um, today we're looking at Acts 9, and an appearance of the risen Christ that is different than the others because it's much later and it is um, not one of the apostles. Uh, he becomes an apostle, but not one of the disciples. Uh, so Acts 9, um, and, and we're trying to pay attention to how does the risen Christ show up? Sometimes unrecognizably. Shows up with messages about feed my sheep shows up with, uh, with ways that help our eyes open to see new things, to, to be at a table. So all kinds of ways. So today we're going to look at another one of those appearances and how the risen Christ shows up for people. Uh, let's pray. Gracious God, may these ancient words in this old, old story be healing and hope for your people gathered this day. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So from Acts 9, um, meanwhile, Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, which is what the, very early on the Christians, those who followed Jesus were people of the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to Ananias in a vision, Ananias! And Ananias answered, Here I am, Lord. 
And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment, he is praying, and he has seen a vision. A man named Ananias will come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered him, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has been given the authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name, to take them prisoners. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then Paul got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. I mean, the Bible is amazing. What a story. What a story. Tell you what, before we get started, just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to think about someone or some group, no one's going to have to answer out loud, this is just for you to think about, someone or some group with whom you disagree. Someone or some group that you consider a threat to you, to your family, to your neighborhood, to the church, to the world, to our country. Someone you are sure is wrong at best and dangerous at worst. Maybe someone who's not just a threat, but someone who has hurt you or some group. Hold that person, group, thought in the back of your head while we talk about this. All week, uh, I have been, I, I, this is an amazing thing. I've never preached this passage. I, I couldn't believe it. I, you know, I just was like, well, I don't think I've ever preached this. And I started looking back. I haven't preached a lot of Paul. A lot of, most of the New Testament is Paul. The letters. But this experience, and this is the interpretive lens through which we understand Paul. But all week long, and actually for a few weeks, because I've known this passage was coming, I've been praying over and pondering this passage where Paul meets the risen Christ, 
And two people kept coming to my mind, Daryl Davis and Dr. Heval Kelly. Now, I'm gonna tell you about them in a minute, but first I wanna tell you about my friend, Gerald Durley. Gerald is the pastor emeritus of Providence Missionary Baptist Church in Atlanta. I met him at a, at a ecumenical prayer uh, service following the shootings in Charlestown, Charleston, the church. And afterwards, he came up to me and we talked. He told me the story of being a young professor in a small college in Illinois, rural college in the 60s. He was teaching a survey of religion. And he began by reading this prayer and asking students to just listen to it and see if it sounded familiar. Eternal and almighty God, we thank you that you lead us and guide us into truth. We thank you that you have given us a clear vision to seek out and destroy all that defiles our community so that we can worship you in fullness and truth and peace. Read through a couple times, and one, one student would say, you know, uh, is that out of the Episcopal prayer book? Sometimes a, a Jewish student would say, is that from the Old Testament? Is one of the Sabbath prayers? I'm not. It was the prayer prayed by imperial wizards of the KKK. While they burned crosses after lynchings, they considered the burning cross the symbol of the shining light of Christ to dispel darkness, ignorance, and gloom. That is essentially how Paul felt about himself. Paul was a religious person. Paul was a Roman citizen and educated in the Greco-Roman, in the Greek uh, schools. He was a devout Jew. He studied Torah. He defended Torah. He felt the, this new little group was defiling Torah. He was going to shine the light of God on them because they were wrong and they were threatening Judaism. We first meet Paul when apparently he's standing by watching while Stephen is stoned to death. And Paul was such a figure of authority that those who were doing were, were laying their coats at his feet. And I, presumably, he nods in approval. He's going to rid the world of this ignorance and this threat to established religion. That's Paul. And he wants to wipe this little movement off the face of the earth. So he goes to the Sanhedrin. Can I have permission to round them up, to corral them like cattle, bind them, and bring them back here? 
Sure, here's your letter. So while Paul is on the road to shine his light of what's wrong with this little group, he is struck by another kind of light. And while he's being led by the hand, dependent on others, waiting to figure out what is going on, simultaneously, on the other side of town, Ananias gets a vision. You know, and this story really is not just about one person meeting the risen Christ. This is about two people. Ananias has a visitation from the risen Christ. It's not considered, it's not written up as a resurrection appearance. It's more like the kind of experience you and I would have. Like we heard from Mary Flynn last week, like we heard from Ben, when there's like a a vision, a dream, a a voice that isn't your own, and not that you're hearing things, but it's a nudging that doesn't make any sense. That's the kind of visit Ananias got. Ananias, here I am, Lord. Go see Saul. What? That would be dangerous for me. That would be a risk. He hates me. He hates us. He's out to destroy your people. Get up and go, says the voice. In one of the most beautiful lines in all of Scripture is that when Ananias walks through that door to see the person who oversaw and approved of the killing of Stephen, who he knows is coming to round up people just like him and take them prisoners, Ananias touches Paul and calls him brother. And that's what made me think of Daryl Davis and Heval Kelly. Daryl Davis is a musician, a black musician, who became aware, I guess it's probably been 20 or 20, more than 20 years now, maybe 30, that there were white supremacists and Ku Klux Klan people who hated him. And he was, he's just a really good, you should Google him. Uh, there's a great movie called Accidental um, Courtesy about him and his story. He just says, I don't get how people could hate me if they don't know me. So the story, and, and, I mean, I'll tell you the truth. It gave me heartburn in some places because he reaches out to everyone from imperial wizards to knights, people all through the KKK. He's not fighting with them. He's not debating with them. He just says, hey, can we sit down? Can we talk? He said, I've never once asked any of them to leave the KKK, to give up what they believe? Never once. But they sometimes start asking him. 
and now over 200 people have left white supremacist groups because they got to know Daryl Davis. And he called him brother. In the movie, there's this great scene where he's nervous about the first meeting with an imperial wizard. And he said, I wanted to be hospitable, so I got some Coke and some brother. Common humanity. And Dr. Hebal Kelly, again, urge you to watch this film called Refuge. Some filmmakers were starting to make, they wanted to make a movie about Clarkston, which incidentally, in all, it, it's the most diverse mile in all of America, I'm told. This fantastic place where refugees come and find new life. And uh, these two filmmakers just wanted to make a, just because it's such a positive place, they were just making a film about Clarkston. But while they were doing it, they learned that a, a person who is committed to helping people uh, exit hate groups had reached out to one of the doctors, Dr. Hival Kelly, who came here right after 9-11 as a Syrian refugee, worked as a dishwasher in a restaurant, went to med school at Emory, after he became a heart doctor, he now serves the Clarkston community. And these filmmakers learned that somebody who is in the business of helping people get out of hate groups had contacted Dr. Kelly to say, we want you to go meet this guy. He's got a family and a wife. His wife reached out to us because she loves him and her children. And she's like, I cannot let him teach my child this hate. Will you go meet him? We think you're the perfect guy. He needs to meet a real live Muslim. He has so much hatred. So in the film, again, these were the moments that I thought of Ananias walking into Paul, touching him, brother. So they decide they're gonna film this whole thing in real time, that's gonna become the movie. Dr. Kelly is driving out, and he's nervous. No kidding, as Ananias might have been. But he knocks on the door, and he says, Chris, you ready for our blind date? And now Chris is helping people recover from being indoctrinated with hate. So. Paul is touched by a Daryl, by a Heval. That's what Ananias is. Someone who comes into his realm. Someone whom he has hurt and threatened, who comes in and calls him brother and, and connects in their common humanity. And Paul who has seen the light and has been blinded by it, is now dependent upon a person whom he considers anathema. 
to teach him and tell him what to do. Remember what Jesus said? You'll be told what to do by this person? I don't think we can understand any of Paul's writing without understanding this experience. You know, people like to cherry-pick Paul here and there. You know, I can do all things through Christ. That drives me crazy when sports people do that. I mean, I grew up in the sports world. I'm like, Paul wasn't talking about making free throws. Read that passage. Read it. He's talking about, I can be, learn to be content in plenty, in want. I can learn to be content, and you can help bear my burdens. Paul was not only converted on the road, he was commissioned. And what he was commissioned to do was to build communities of people who learned to love each other even if they didn't agree. It's amazing. This is the guy, Paul, who writes one of the most beautiful pieces ever in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 12 and 13. First, first Corinthians. Anyway, you're you're a body. You, all of you, all y'all. You're a body. The foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the eye, I don't need you. We need each other. And that's what Paul finds out when he's blind and he has to be led by the hand and he has to be taught and told by someone whom he thought was bad. What to do next. That's what Paul tells us. We need each other. And then he writes this incredibly beautiful passage about what it means to love each other. And you know, a lot of people use that at weddings. That's beautiful because a a couple is the smallest community there is. But listen, Paul is not writing about romantic love there. He is writing to communities who aren't getting along with each other. because he saw the light. And that light blinded his eyes, but gave him eyes to see with his heart that we share a common humanity, and that is where we need to connect. We all need each other. So my question to you is this. Who was that person or group you thought of? Maybe not today, but maybe someday. Just be open to the fact that the living Christ may show up to you and may give you a message like he gave Paul. Why are you hurting me? Why are you hurting me? But he may give you a message like he gave Ananias. Get up and go. To the one who has hurt you and be reconciled for in Christ God has reconciled us to himself and to one another and our calling is a ministry of reconciliation
Amen.